Zeitgeist Turkey, coming to you weekly from Istanbul. Your smart guide to the state of Turkey. Welcome to the second episode of Zeitgeist Turkey. This is Cansu Çamlıbay. And this is Can Selçuk. We are coming to you from Istanbul. And how are you feeling, Jan? How are you feeling this week after a few weeks of um, self-isolation and staying at home? Well, I'm feeling okay physically, obviously, but I think it's it's becoming to be more challenging mentally speaking, and I think that's the feeling all around for a number of reasons. First, when this thing started, it appeared as if there was a more definitive timeline. Now, as days progress and as more information becomes available, Jansu, I feel like uh, we are losing that timeline. Not we are losing, actually, we've lost that timeline. So I can't really uh, see the end of this. So that's, I think, uh, becoming a challenge, uh, not only for me, but for a lot of people. Because, you know, if it's a one-month thing, you can pretty much plan ahead. But now it seems it may actually go beyond a month. And I, th- I find that challenging. How are you feeling? There must be a silver lining in all this. I sometimes think maybe not planning for a while would be good for humanity. Maybe we were too much planning, too much planning everything. So there is nothing really much that we can do at this point. We just uh, just wait for this uh, contagious period to be over soon. And unfortunately, we can't really talk about other things as much as we wanted to and we planned for back a few months ago when we were contemplating coming up with a podcast like this our idea was to come up with at least two different topics in each episode and our intention was to open a window for those around the world who have aspirations for learning more about turkey learning more about what's happening in this country But of course, life happened, and now everybody, everybody wants to hear all about COVID-19, almost nothing else. I mean, since I'm in the news business and um, we can we can measure which stories are more popular during the day, and I must say, uh, with a little regret, that other stories are not striking that, that much of attention under these circumstances. And we sure do not want to serve against the tide. At least until this worldwide emergency somewhat gets under control. Because at the moment, judging by the death toll and positive cases surging in the United States and in European countries, it feels we are still too far away from talking about a pandemic that's under control, right? Absolutely. I don't think we are uh, anywhere near uh, saying that the pandemic, the health side of the crisis is uh, under control. So this week... Our intention is to get a deeper dive into possible economic consequences of the virus in Turkey. And we know that uh, this social isolation period is going to last so much longer, more than just a few weeks, more than a month. And if more people and more workplaces will be resorting to self-quarantine, and by the way, we need to remind our audience that most businesses in Turkey, especially in the service sector, are effectively banned by the Turkish government As part of the measures announced, it has been roughly 20 days since the confirmation of the first positive case in Turkey. And now, unfortunately, we are seeing the three-digit numbers in the death toll. 
confirmed cases in thousands and as disclosed by the health minister uh, almost eight nine thousand tests each day are carried out the government's intention is to carry out fifteen thousand tests each day and this is also uh, this was an announcement by the health minister last week however there has been a quite important hiccup we heard a science committee member making on the record statements that the rapid Chinese test turned out to give a low level of accuracy. However, uh, the health minister Koja uh, is still insisting that those problematic ones are different from the recently purchased 350,000 Chinese kits. I feel that this falls under the topic we discussed last week, John. The lack of transparency by the Turkish government on some key aspects of the crisis management here. Jansu, you're right. I think there's an issue of transparency now. What started out as a transparent communication strategy, I think, is becoming more opaque uh, by the day. First of all, there's a conundrum, let's say, over the viability of these test kits that has been brought in uh, from China. And that issue was not really cleared last week uh, during the press meeting of the health minister. So that's still, I think, a foggy area, and I'm not sure if that's going to be clear in the days to come. Uh, and another issue is that, uh, as of uh, last Friday, the curve of the infected number of people has become steeper than that of Italy uh, during comparable uh, days. So things are getting uh, more serious in Turkey. And there are a number of other statistics that we are not uh, entirely sure about. For example, the occupancy rate in ERs or occupancy rate in intensive care units. The Minister of Health said that it's around 63-65%, but uh, a lot of the doctors actually, not a lot, but a number of the doctors claim that on any given day in Turkey, the intensive care units are operating at a 75% level. These numbers don't add up, and how these will change as more uh, patients become infected and need to be hospitalized. These numbers are, are unclear and going forward, I think we will uh, need a better understanding of these uh, numbers. Now, combining everything, what has been done so far, the Minister of Interior said that you're no longer allowed uh, to go between cities with, with buses unless if you have a permit from the governorship of your, of your province. But two weeks ago, when the first economic package was announced by President Erdogan, there was a reduction in tax for airline tickets. So, you know, a lot of... Inconsistencies. Taken, there's, a, there's an inconsistency. There are a lot of actions that are taken that are pulling in the opposite direction, which obviously raises the question whether these are a part of a robust plan or not. There's no harm in changing course along the way because, you know, every day we learn more about the virus, both from our own experience, but also from the experience of other countries. So there's no shame in changing course. But I think uh, what the government has adopted so far is to keep the economy running for as long as uh, it can. And I think we are actually coming to the last weeks of that, that motive. I also would like to remind our audience that you have um, a strong background in economy. So I would like you to switch to your other hat today. You worked as an economist at the World Bank office in Ankara for how long? 
Four years. Four years. And if I am not mistaken, you worked on development and competition policies. Among other things, yes. So I believe we need to walk through the steps that were announced by President Erdogan. It seems that uh, the basic motivation was to keep economy running. But what were the underlying factors? Please walk us through uh, the shield package, and of course, I'll have more questions on this. Sure. First of all, uh, President Erdogan announced on March 16th a shield package, as as it's called now, that covers uh, 100 billion liras, which is approximately 16 billion uh, US dollars, more or less. A lot of the package was criticized because there were uh, some uh, measures that people had very difficult time, including myself. Uh, relating to the response, economic response. For example, uh, tax on uh, plane tickets were uh, reduced and also there were some reduction in mortgage costs. So that didn't really sit well with many people because we simply did not understand what plane tickets or mortgage have to do with response to, to, to the coronavirus. Now, these aside, the package actually aims to help SMEs and businesses to survive for as long as they can. So there are uh, supports that postpone some payments to the state that needs to be done by uh, SMEs. Uh, there are some credit guarantee schemes. There are some supports for uh, exporters. There is also one very important part of the package, which is it actually gives support for unemployment, which are welcome. But the size uh, of the package is unfortunately uh, not enough. And the package also misses the most vulnerable part of the society. Now, to give you an example, according to a poll we did two weeks ago, we asked people how they use their cash savings. And 50% of the participants said that they don't have any cash savings. So what does this mean? This means that a very significant part of the society either lives from paycheck to paycheck, so they have no buffer, or they live based on uh, revenue generated on a daily basis. And this could either be formal or informal, meaning, you know, tips and informal transactions that happen uh, throughout the day. So a lot of the people actually have no buffer in Turkey. And what's needed for these people is, is cash that will help them actually continue their daily life. Now it's becoming a matter of uh, survival uh, for, for a large part of the uh, society. And the package doesn't address that. There, there are a couple of ways that can be addressed. One is Turkey had reserves, right? Unfortunately, and I, I said this last week as well in our first episode, that Turkey doesn't have the kind of fiscal space to accommodate uh, such a large uh, support package. So that's, that option cannot be used, right? We used our reserves last year during the election cycle for a number of other things. Now, the second one, of course, if you can't find money, you have to print money, right? You have to produce money. But that comes with a lot of risks, depending on where that money goes. It could turn into a process whereby we end up with very high numbers of, of inflation. Meanwhile, there are reports coming in which really... Um do hurt the conscience uh, under these circumstances because as you said uh, there were special arrangements um, for the mortgage and uh, for the construction companies meanwhile uh, so many construction workers are being laid off across the country and one striking example uh, happened at the Ankara Hotel last week which is owned by um, a consortium of uh, companies and all of them are close to President Erdogan's circle, and now they force um, 
the workers uh, for a paid leave uh, until uh, mid-April or end of April. So these things are also happening as we speak about the macro uh, measures taken by the government. If the government does not provide enough support to the private sector so that the private sector doesn't have to fire people and keep their balance sheet afloat. Look, you talked about construction sector. Let me talk to you about tourism. According to the Turkish Statistical Office, there are over there are close to 3 million people employed in sectors related to tourism uh, in Turkey. Summer is uh, upon us, so the tourism uh, season in Turkey, well, normally it would have already begun at the beginning of April, but obviously it's going to be uh, postponed, and we don't really know until when. So there's a huge unemployment wave risk that will come from the tourism sector. I'm talking about around 3 million people that are employed in the sector, either through different parts of the hospitality industry. And also from a budget perspective, this has many repercussions as well. I mean, last year, Turkey actually gained around 30 billion US dollars from tourism and majority of this was uh, due, due to external tourism meaning foreigners coming into turkey mainly from uh, countries uh, that we have no flights with right now so that's almost out the window the magnitude of this uh, the economic fallout in turkey is going to be I fear much larger than what's being calculated right now. And the only way to actually mitigate this is to, for the government to, to print money and use that money in a transparent way to actually not create more riches uh, for the obvious hinterland, but actually make sure that this money gets to the people who need it the most. And in the middle of this economic mess that we are living in, uh, something else happened in Turkey. Transport minister... Uh, Mehmet Jai Turhan was removed uh, from his post a few days ago. Could you follow this story? Yeah, I did. And I think it's, it's wrong on so many levels. First, at a time of deep crisis, at a time that requires very efficient allocation of resources to actually hold a public tender for Kanal Istanbul, you know, whether you support Kanal Istanbul or not, the timing could not be worse. Because obviously that's not where money needs to be prioritized right now. That was already a huge uh, mistake, I find. Second, the Minister of Transport was removed from duty, but I doubt very much that he acted on his own in making this, uh, holding this tender. Let's assume for a moment that he was removed from duty because he held the tender. Uh, then one would rationally expect the tender to be cancelled, right? If he did such a wrong thing, that would end up him losing his post. Then the tender is so wrong that it should be cancelled. The real way to tackle with this would not be to remove the minister uh, from duty, but have the minister cancel the tender. And let me actually point to an uh, interesting fallout of this uh, process, which I think will be a problem in the future. And this is a very Turkish thing, so let me lay it out very clearly for our foreign audience. The, when the minister of uh, transport was removed from duty, he was replaced by his deputy. So deputy minister became the minister. So going forward, right now, all deputy ministers, at least some of them, will start becoming more aggressive in their posts because now there's a precedent that has been set. This is very Turkish, but watch out for this, uh, Jansu. I think this is also going to shake up the bureaucracy uh, for a while.
Another important development which took place in the last few days was the government's decision to allocate some authorities uh, regarding the enforcement of laws and regulations to fight uh, with the coronavirus outbreak and to strengthen the hands of the governors in the cities, which means that the local municipalities, uh, the mayors, um, the authorities of the mayors, Uh, will be allocated to the governors on the grounds that this is an e- extraordinary time and the governors must be must be coordinating with the with the central government and it seems like the perfect opportunity for Erdogan's government to use the coronavirus outbreak uh, as the needed justification ground to do so at least some of us worry that uh, this might be the real reason behind strengthening the authorities of the governors. How would you contribute to this discussion, John? We know from day one that Erdogan's government had motives to limit the authority of mayors, particularly uh, to limit uh, their success uh, in governing uh, in cities like Istanbul, Ankara, Adana, all the cities that uh, our party lost to CHV a year ago, like you said. This last move obviously also has a motivation, at least part of the motivation is this, but I think this is politically a wrong move by Erdogan. And the reason is very simple. Like I said earlier, the magnitude of this crisis is too big. And if the government fails to provide an adequate response to this, then the fallout, the political fallout of that result will be much higher than any potential gain that Erdogan's government may take from limiting the authority of the mayors. What would be much smarter to do would be to force the mayors to get in line with the efforts of the government. Because if Erdogan was to extend a hand, no mayor in opposition is in a position to say no, because they would be shamed publicly if they did so. So I don't know why he's not going this way but choosing to alienate uh, those mayors and transfer authority to governors, taking a huge gamble, I would say, uh, with regards to adequate, providing adequate response uh, to, the, to the crisis. Because these mayors, these municipalities have huge capacity and to sort of push them out doesn't make sense, both from a uh, crisis response perspective, but also from a political perspective. So I think there can be no winner in this contest. John, I feel like um, this debate over um, the relationship between um, the central government in Ankara and the municipalities across Turkey is going to continue, even if we uh, we are done with the coronavirus outbreak. I am guessing that we'll have more to discuss in the upcoming episodes um, uh, about the municipalities. But for today, our time is up. And it's time to say goodbye to our audience. Uh, any final comments? Yes, you are right. I mean, I think this discussion will continue in the coming weeks. And as the first shock over the crisis uh, is over, of the virus is over, we will start discussing more the effectiveness uh, of the uh, government's uh, response. With that, let me thank everybody for uh, listening. Until next week, stay home, stay healthy.